One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Are you a Yeovil Town fan? Do you want to help shape the future of Yeovil Town Football Club? The Glovers Trust exists to give Yeovil Town fans a democratic voice in the running of the club. Our aim is to strengthen links between the club and the local community it serves, and to engage with as many Yeovil supporters as possible. So, join the Trust today, and together we can build a stronger Yeovil Town Football Club. To find out more and to become a member, visit glovers-trust.co.uk and follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Hello, how are you? And welcome to another edition of the Glovers Cast. I am Ben Barrett and I'm joined, of course, as always, by the deadly duo, the Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton of the Glovers Cast world. I'll let you decide which one is which and why that makes me the safety car driver. It is David Coates and the boss, Ian Perkins. Gentlemen, how are we? Good now, Ben. What a topical intro. There you go. That's that's the only topical thing happening on this Sunday evening. So yeah. that was the uh, that was the link that we've gone with there. Nice early start. Nice, and you couldn't really go for a cricket one either at the moment, can we? No, no, I wouldn't know. To be fair, in Bad. a straight race, I'd fancy Ian over me. To be fair, I don't know. You've, you know, you've talked about your out. you've talked about your driving. Oh yeah, podcast. yeah. I was talking about running. Oh okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, those, I... those two well-known runners that are Max Verstappen <laughs> and Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't planning on us getting in, 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 in our cars. We're quite far apart, you see. So, 
race to the middle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll see you in Birmingham. <laughs> it's all downhill. It's downhill for you, though, isn't it? Yeah, you got to follow in wind as well. <laughs> How are we, gentlemen? Um, Ian, boss man, you were you were at the game yesterday. I was. Or were or were you? Because we won, didn't concede, played all right, and you were there to witness it. It's two in a row now. These- I don't believe these things are mutually exclusive, I'm afraid. <laughs> are you sure you were there? Are you just not telling fibs? No, I promise you I was there. Two in a row. Um, Here we go, two yeah. in a row. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a nice feeling going to football and watching us win. Forgotten what it was like. Yeah. We're, get, we're getting quite used to it now. Mm. It's a bit dull now, isn't it? Worryingly <laughs> used to it, aren't we? It's becoming far too... Familiar for, uh, I think. I wasn't even worried slightly. And, and it should be against a team like Barney, the form they were in coming into that game. You should have been worried. I think that says quite a lot, doesn't it? I mean, I'm assuming we'll, we'll touch on bits and pieces like that as the as the chat goes on. But I was exactly the same as you. I was at work. I uh, So I was following through nothing more than social media in a betting in play screen. And I saw the goal go in. And as time goes on and, and moments happen and you see... Dangerous attack, Barnet, and I'm like, eh, it's fine. It'll end up in a throw-in. I don't care. And I've not felt like that in years, maybe. Yeah, we've had it ingrained into us that we don't win from those positions. <laughs> we don't do it, or we didn't since sort of, you know, since the decline from the championship level. We we didn't do that. We didn't hold on to leads. We've made the dog walker joke about not being able to hold on to a lead, and here we are. Holding on to leads left, right, and centre. Another one nil. Ian, talk to us about the game because you were there, we weren't, and Yeovil are flying. They are flying, and they really, really took off out the blocks from the start of the game. You know, we kept the ball. We were really going for it. You know, we Darren Souls talked about wanting to start game strongly, and after the match, he said he showed him the Dover tape and how badly we started against Dover, and uh, it was a really, really strong start moving the ball nicely we seem to really want to get the ball out wide to charlie wakefield there seemed to be a lot of space on the right hand side and it almost seemed like every opportunity we had we wanted to move it right to charlie wakefield and then i think you know that we had a couple of crosses from gorman and from wakefield early in in the game and the tactic seemed to be get it on the right and then our goal came from that a really nice cross from Gorman onto the head of Yusuf, um, which really set us on the way. But after that, it got oh, oh, very, um, <laughs> it got really sort of a little bit, it got more even. Barnet were really um, pushing to keep hold of the ball and, you know, grew into it as the game went on. And we we sort of, it was really attritional. Like they weren't particularly good going forward. We were really good defensively. They had a couple of half chances, half opportunities. Um, but yeah, it, it's sort of, you know, the, the criticism we've had all season is that we struggle going forward and we took our opportunity, crossed from out wide and put it away. But then after that, there wasn't a lot of chances. Barnet really did restrict us. Um, we and up, you know. I felt that we were lacking for all Adi Yusuf's work rate. I felt we were lacking that striker to keep the ball at the other end of the pitch for a little bit. 
Um, he was easily dispossessed and, um, you know, it was just a case of uh, both teams sort of struggling to hold on to the ball and not create a lot, really. Um, and I know we'd, you know, rule one of the Glovers cast. Um, it, it did become the referee show yesterday. Um, you know, maybe... Are we relaxing restrictions on rule one for tonight, are we? <laughs> well, I think yeah. rule one Take is that we... Take your face mask off, slag off the ref, go on. Rule, go for it. rule one is that we can't complain about the referee. And, you know, we won the game, so really we can't complain about the referee for impacting our, you know, the game for us. But he was one of those referees who seemed to want the game to be about him. So every time there was a corner, I I think pretty much every time, he had to blow his whistle before the corner was taken to have a word for someone. And it was just the usual sort of, you know, the usual little bit of jostling in the box, but... For whatever reason, he felt the need to blow the whistle and tell people to stop it every single time. Did he do that thing where he held the whistle out in front of him and pointed at it and said, I'm in charge here or something like that? <laughs> I didn't That's where that. you can tell. That's the higher level of referee, I think. And I mean, the Yeovil fans really turned on him when Sonny, Sonny got a booking um, for a, a fairly, you know, it was a pretty soft tackle. Um, but I think he should have got booked earlier on because he did go in from behind on um, a Barnet player and got a long talking to from the referee. And I feel like that was, you know, that was a talking to that said the next time you do something, you're getting a booking. Um, but then there were other tackles, quite similar tackles that did go unpunished and didn't get yellow cards for Barnet. And, you know, that I don't think we were particularly time-wasting. Gorman got a booking for time-wasting, but... After but, 20 minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, but I don't, I don't think... He, there just seemed to be a bit of a miscommunication between him yeah. taking the free kick and what he was going to do with it. Um, but then... Barnett were taking ages to do everything as well. And the referee never had a word with them. And it's like, you know, they can take as long as they want, really. They're, they're the ones chasing the game at this point. But... Their keeper was taking a lifetime to take a goal kick, and every, as soon as Grant Smith took, a, you know, a little bit too long, he was like hurrying him up and everything. It was just, you know, a bit double standards, and you know, the ending with the red card, the the uh, four yellow cards for the bench. I mean, it was <laughs> it was very entertaining. It's, it's weird, isn't it? No matter how many times you go to football, it feels like there's always something happens that you've never seen before and then you think why have I never seen that before like, like it was literally yellow 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 for, <laughs> for, for the entire Barnet bench it was so weird but um yeah I think we we did have a couple chances late on that we had chances to create chances there was one where Worthington teed up Gorman and all he needed to do really was just smash it he was pretty central on the edge of the box but it just sort of ran away from him like he was thinking about it a little bit too much and then it took it wide and Knowles had an opportunity to put Sonny in. Um, Sonny had a good chance. I think he had a, he had a bit more work to do with his chance when he was put through by Yusuf. Um, Sonny's not like the... He's quick, but he's not quick like sprinting with the ball. So he sort of got the ball and was held up a little bit. But he worked a decent shot, but... Other than that, like, I, I haven't looked at the stats. Ben, you'll be able to tell me what the stats are, shots on target and that type of thing. 
I expect. I know you sent a screen grab through yesterday, but I sort of felt it was quite an even game. But at the same time, you know when Grant Smith doesn't have a lot to do? <laughs> Those games where he doesn't really have to make any major saves. I mean, the highlights on BT Sport are our, our goal and the red card, but not the incident that led to the red card, which I'm sure we've all seen since. And there was one. There was one of Yusuf hitting the bar just. Before, oh yeah, in like that? the fifth minute or something, he hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah he sort yeah. of either side of the keeper, and that's in. But it just so happened that it hit their lump of a keeper in the shoulder. Yeah, it's in, interesting what you say about. I, I was listening to three valleys in the first half and then BBC in the second half because I couldn't get through the BBC because um, as some issue I'm not sure what it was but um, uh, they uh, Paul Thorpe on Three Valleys was talking about the referee but he was talking about the inconsistency that that seemed to be the bigger frustration like you say things that we were doing they were doing exactly the same things and yet the punishment wasn't the same or you know the response reaction from the ref wasn't the same so it wasn't necessarily that our bookings weren't bookings it was just if they were bookings then there were fouls from the Barnet players, it's the inconsistency that seemed to frustrate people more so than well, that's a completely wrong decision. I mean, the twenty, the booking for time wasting after twenty minutes being the exception. I think. Yeah, yeah, it was there. Yeah, there were a couple of challenges that I think were probably yellows that weren't given. But it wasn't so much. I mean, he was bad, but it wasn't so much bad in the terms of making really wrong decisions. Although Barnet fans are probably going to disagree when you see what they got their red card for but you know at the same time they had a couple of shouts for penalties that certainly the one towards the Thatcher's end in the first half that absolutely wasn't a penalty as soon as he got near Luke Wilkinson he was on his way down um and the second one was where it all sort of kicked off after that I have found the stats have you I was I was under pressure. Um, it they're fairly low key shots yeah. in total. Six plays two in in for us on goal three off goal three and then one each for on and off target for them. So it didn't really feel like an awful lot was happening. It wasn't the biggest thing. And the referee Ryan Atkin. Um, a quick look at his stats suggests that he's got a bit of form. <laughs> he's refed five games in the National League this season, including ours. He's up to eighteen yellow cards which considering in two of those games, he only gave one and three red cards mm. take away yesterday's. The other two came in the same game when he sent off two maidenhead players, including the goalkeeper in their defeat to Stockport County. Um, so yes, he sounds like he's not the most uh, popular referee in the world at this level. He's a little bit um, trigger happy with the cards. There you go. We'll certainly have to keep an eye on him when he next pops up. Yeah. Ryan Atkin, was it? Ryan Atkin? Yeah. 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 The Barnet manager certainly won't be forgetting him, will he? <laughs> he was uh, his his post match interview was hilarious. It did, and, and I think it's because he's got such a strong Irish accent as well. He just he just went into like <laughs> incomprehensible at one point. Did he call him a leprechaun at one point? He was uh he no. was he, he was <laughs> not happy with it. Did he not? I'm sure. I'm sure you. I'm sure you put on our WhatsApp chat about him calling him a leprechaun. Oh, he's just going to out me as a casual racist on the. Irish no, no, no. I thought. I thought you meant that Dean Brennan called the referee a leprechaun because leprechauns <laughs> are troublesome little mythical characters, aren't they? 
Please don't take everything I say as a verbatim quote. <laughs> oh, okay, right. We will well, be very, very, very. In I was going to say we're in a world of problems yeah. now. Then world of problems. <laughs> if if you take everything I say as a deep, as a oh my word. Did it would have been a good insult. It, 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 it would have been a good insult, but he didn't say to be sure after every single sentence <laughs> finished either. He's a fucking arsehole. I was, I was, I was, trying to, I was trying to hear it in the when I was listening to it back, and I couldn't. I thought, well, my, my ears aren't so good anyway, so Ben must have said something I didn't. Yeah, I haven't transcribed the word leprechaun. Exactly, yeah. I'm not even sure you spell leprechaun. Yeah. Unbelievable. Oh, uh, but yes, he wasn't happy with him anyway. To put it put it put it mildly, no. he called him a lot. Well, he said that the, it was lies to suggest that there was a head pop. And watching it back from the angle that we've seen today on 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 Sunday, uh, whilst yes, I don't think it was a, a head butt in the truest sense of the word, that player definitely moved his head towards Dale Gorman. Now, I, I don't necessarily agree with Dale Gorman going down. I know a lot of people will say that it's something that we should have in our team, and we need that bit of uh, you know um, shrewdness or shithousery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that we need that at this level. We probably do. Probably true. Other teams would do. You know, players and other teams would do exactly the same. Personally, I don't really like it, but you know, it, it, like I say, if, if it happened against us, if that was one of their players doing that, and our player being sent off, I think we'd all be very annoyed about it. Um, but nevertheless, I'd like to think that we would all say, especially with a referee like that, you've just had eighty-seven minutes of him being, um, you know. A jumped up little twerp, then that's <laughs> that's then, not a direct uh, quote either. That's not a direct no, quote no, no, yeah. Ben Barrett, don't is that what don't Lawson Diaf said though? Yeah, no, uh, yeah, I think Lawson had to put his, his microphone down at one point, but yeah, um, then you don't do that, do you? If you've got a referee that you think is going to book you, don't do that when he stood there, it's just a stupid thing to do. So, yeah, I don't know what you two think about Dale Gorman going down so easily, but. There's a difference for me between shithousery and, well, unsporting behaviour. And I think that we may have just crossed the line there. I don't mind giving away supporters a shush and, you know, giving it the big one and being a bit intimidatory. And, you know, Pete Wilde was, was scared of us bullying teams and all the rest of it. We're not bullying side, but Pete Wilde thought we were and we'd clearly got in his head. I'm not sure that's us. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't like the word cheating. It's not cheating because he did put his head towards Dale Gorman's head. It's exaggerating. I actually think had the had the manager not said the words that he'd said afterwards, they might have got that overturned. But I think because he's come out and said fairly strong language, liar, um, and and given the ref a hard time, they'll probably stick with the decision. And so the manager may have cost his player there a little bit for not just coming out and saying. We've seen it again. We're not particularly happy with it. We'll take a look at the replay and, and lodge an appeal and just leave it. Because he's used quite inflammatory language, I imagine that will not get overturned. But maybe it could have been. Ian, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a shame how it's sort of the footage that's come out, really, because I have, as you will have read on my five conclusions, I, I thought... Gorman's becoming a key player for us, and he had a really good he had a really good game on the ball yesterday. I thought he was one of the the better players on the pitch. 
Um, a lot of the good stuff that we did came from him. Um, but that, yeah, it's not, it's not the best, is it? It's not what we want our players to be doing. Um, I suppose there's an argument that had he not done that, there's a good chance their player could have done that. <laughs> and, you know, it's that whole, what did he, was he quicker to react than, um, Mason Clark was, so he, and he went down. I don't know. It's, we don't know what goes through their heads when they're on the pitch in the heat at the moment. And right at that moment, it was pretty heated with like him, just uh, Mason Clark, just going down, trying for a penalty. And we'd been under, it was about a 30 second spell where we were sort of backs to the wall under pressure. Um, pretty scrambling to, to get rid of the ball really, rather than, you know, fairly assured. There was a few last ditched tackles and, um, just get rid of clearances. So it was a bit of an intense spell, but yeah, it's not not the nicest thing to see from our players. And I'd be pretty annoyed if someone did that to one of our players and we got a red card for it. So I think that sort of is a pretty good indicator of whether it was right or wrong. Dean Brennan talked about um, the clearest penalty you've ever seen. Um, towards the uh, in the last minute of the game, a handball, he said, by one of our players. But do you remember that? I don't remember it being on commentary particularly. I don't remember hearing, I mean, there are 100 Barnet fans. I don't remember hearing screams of handball. No. Why is it that the clearest handball you've ever seen doesn't make it onto the match highlights, just like the <laughs> clearest elbow that uh, Ponticelli received for Wrexham never made it onto the highlights either? Why are these really clear decisions not available is it because you're plucking it out of thin air by any chance yeah and i think Ian, it's... you were there how clear was the clearest handball you've ever seen <laughs> well i don't remember the barnet players kicking off for a handball at any point i only really remember, clear i only remember the whole you know scuffle after the dive i suppose it was and i mean i mean that's the other thing i mean mason clark should have been booked in the first half for diving and you know I don't know if it's a rule or not, but it feels like if you go down looking for a penalty and the referee says, that's not a penalty, <laughs> surely the, you know, surely it's a yellow card for simulation. I don't know. It's probably not like that, but that's what it feels like. Um, so then for him to go at the other end and I guess do the same because he didn't get a penalty for it. You know, maybe it was two bookable, <laughs> two bookable things that he's done and... It's evened out, but yeah, I, I don't remember. I don't recall there being a handball. I was just looking at the purple sky for a lot of the time, to be honest with you. Yeah, what was going on there? I don't know. It's really trippy. Yeah. Was it some kind of great white hope arriving towards Hewish Park, was it? Was it well, Scott Priestnell riding in on a white horse or something? Yeah, waving some A4 bits of paper. I've got, <laughs> I've got my, my long-term plan. Exactly, <laughs> And then it all blows away and he goes running <laughs> after it. Oh, no, I left it. Oh, I've lost it. <laughs> the water smudged all my work. Oh, I can't remember what I wrote. <laughs> Sorry, we've moved off of the sensible stuff now. <laughs> and the, the tangents that are coming off this conversation, <laughs> trying to talk about the fact that we've gone 11 in a row without losing. Yeah. yeah. Including so Larkle. Including Larkle. Yeah, well, yeah, well. Manager says he takes it seriously, so we can take it seriously. That's fine. Cup, cup's bigger than any of the others. Yeah, damn right. 
quadruple still on, 11 unbeaten. All things coming up, Glovers. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. It was, you know, it wasn't a, you know, it was hardly a spectacle. I think in terms of, you know, you couldn't have got further from an atmosphere like we had on Saturday against Stevenage to what we had yesterday. Um, I went into, I was in the Alex Dock Lounge before. When I've been other times this season, it's been like round. I don't know, you know, perhaps, you know, with everything that's going on with COVID and everything at the moment, I think maybe there's a bit of hesitancy for people to go in that spaces. You know, there was certainly a lot more masks being worn um, inside than there has been when I've gone before. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, it was a bit of a strange, a bit of a strange atmosphere based on the fact that we've just beaten a league club on the telly where... 10 we were 10 unbeaten at the start of the game and you know we're doing quite well what are we now two points off the playoffs with a game in hand uh not quite unfortunately Wrexham uh Wrexham scuppered that with a uh scrappy yeah. scrappy one nil against uh the Claret and Blue Army down on the uh on the seaside yeah blimey only oh, one close only one. Oh yeah and it was a world of <laughs> a free kick yeah, it was a good free kit that actually. Was Again. it Jordan Davies? It was, yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. They do like him. Yeah, but um, they, everybody, uh, be, but beating Wrexham in Wrexham isn't for everybody, lads. Don't worry about it. You get back to your fish and chips. <laughs> Our game in hand is South End away. Is it? Is that the one we should have played? Okay. Reese Murphy South End away. Oof. Easy. <laughs> Yeah, they got smashed yesterday, didn't they? They did, yeah. Against Notts County, though, who uh, then their keeper, to... their keeper went off injured as well, so they ended up with a did, yeah, yeah, yeah. A goal, goal. yeah. <laughs> Rush goalie obviously wasn't up to the standard of the Maidenhead goalkeeper or Altrincham goalkeeper. It was Altrincham, <laughs> wasn't it? Altrincham, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Need a left back <laughs> to play in goal. Well, yeah. but no, it was good. It was, you know, it's. 1-0 against the informed Barnet side who, you know, who are, you know, from the chat I had with Mem on um, Friday's episode, I think we should be pretty pleased with that as a result. You know, it's not Harry Kuehl's, it's not Harry Kuehl's Barnet that, uh, or even, you know, Tim Flowers' Barnet from last season that were getting spanked every week. They, they looked a good side. They did look a good team. And obviously they were missing. Andrew Marriott wasn't there. <laughs> and they had another player out, didn't they? Yeah, they had Bloomfield. He was um, uh, he was on the bench. He's another striker there. It's like you say, Adam Marriott and uh, D- uh, Dean Powell. Is it Dean Powell? Adam Powell? Can't remember. Powell. Um, Chris uh, Powell. Who was at? Uh, who who did mention? Who was at uh, Crew and MK Dons? Um, I think it's Dean. But the um, but yeah, he was the other one who came back. Who wasn't available. So yeah, they did have a few players out, um, which I think they lost at the at the last minute. Adam Marriott because he's had a baby, not him personally, obviously, but um, uh, yeah, he had a baby. So, I mean, you two still, uh, you know, step onto the pitch. You've got kids to look after. <laughs> I haven't just had a baby though. Well, no, no that's true. <laughs> Uh, just to just to be clear, at no point have I had a baby either. My <laughs> wife did all the hard work. 
I did. I, I didn't uh, attribute. You know, I'll give him an assist for it, but I won't. Uh... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's stop that analogy before I say something completely inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. Can I just so, say? Can I just say with these wins in a row? Do you not find it a bit? Hello, a bit dull to come on podcast afterwards and go, yeah, we're doing good, aren't we? Yeah, fine. <laughs> it's all right, this, isn't it? Yeah, solid at the back. Scored a goal. Job done. Yeah. Right, cheers, guys. Thanks very much. See you all next week. Do it again, shall we? Nothing it's, to moan about. No, I mean, I, I mean, it's it's not dull. It's it's an unusual feeling. <laughs> I know. It's, it's unnerving. Like, you know, when is it all going to go wrong? I mean, hopefully <laughs> never. You know, this could be... You know, this could be our run now. The deadline's approaching. We're either going to have a new owner or we're going to have a master plan that's yeah. going to drive us forward for the next however many years. Yeah. And there we go. Is, is this where, where you cut in a bit of, uh, was it Pink Floyd money? And you just hear that, uh, <laughs> the tills ringing. Dun, dun, money, dun, money, money, dun, money. Dun, dun. <laughs> I'm not sure that's Pink Floyd, but <laughs> um, yeah. Shane McMahon for wrestling fans as well. Uh, but um, yeah, well, the deadline's gone. I mean, as I look at my clock here, that says 8:33 p.m. on Sunday, the 12th of December. Deadline's been and gone. Yeah, I mean, deals I famously get done on Sundays, don't they? Seven days. You know, it's either, it's either that or Scott Priester was going to crawl out of a television set and uh, drag you into your doom. That's a reference to the ring, by the way. But <laughs> Drag you to your doom. Well, yeah, it could be. It could be. It's a bit extreme. Yeah. It's a bit extreme, that, isn't it? He's going to drag you to a bright new future, like, uh, I don't know, Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory or something like that. Yeah, so, I mean, I feel like most people, I would hope that most people would realise that the seven-day thing is just a nonsense. Well, I mean, why would why would we take those three or four words seriously of his statement when we've taken very little seriously of anything he's ever said? Yeah. So it's fine. We, we, we know that there's a process. We have the clarity that we sought after from the statement last week from, from Julian Jenkins. We have, a, we have the door pushed a jar that uh, says that Scott Priestnell is willing to talk to somebody, that's fine. That means there's a process taking place now. I don't know what that process looks like. Dave doesn't know what that process looks like. Ian probably can get in contact with people who might have an idea what that process looks like. But right now, honestly, just let the process run out. This isn't transfer deadline day. You aren't going to get me in a yellow tie. Harry Redknapp's not going to be hanging out of a car window. It ain't going to be like that when it comes to, to the exchange and, and uh, the deal of, of buying and selling an entire football club. So for me, I'm going to take deadline day with an almighty pinch of salt. There we go. Pinches of salt across the board, I would say. There you go. Well, well, hopefully by the time, next time we record, we will have heard something even if that is an update or, or something, something would have been said to us as a collective, us supporters as a collective by, by that point. If they want to say it to us as a trio, they're more than welcome to. Yeah, more than welcome to. 
But the, the royal us is more applicable, please. Yeah. Share it the door the is open. Share it with the world. Should we do some questions? Is there anything else you want to ask me about the game? Is there anything you... I was just going to ask, listening to the manager after the game talk about next week's game, which obviously we'll, we'll, we'll touch on in the next podcast, I'm sure. But he was talking about um, freshening things up, which is quite hilarious when you think about the number of players <laughs> that we've actually got. But um, uh, Ruben Reed came on for a little bit again. Alex Bradley came on for a little bit. Yeah, I imagine they were, both, they were probably both fuming to come on when it's absolutely pissing it down with yeah. <laughs> a couple of minutes left. <laughs> Was it was it just a couple of minutes? Was it? For, well, for, Bradley for had Bradley had must have had sixty seconds, and he still managed to get booked. Oh. Yeah, he um, did, didn't he? Yeah. Reed had a little bit longer, um, <clears throat> but yeah, it was a small amount of time. But I thought it was interesting how he said uh, the manager said Reed needs at least sixty minutes. So yeah, it would indicate he's going to be uh, starting, and it'd be good to see Bradley as well. I haven't seen Alex Bradley for you know a long while. Um, but in terms of keeping it fresh, I think he can keep it fresh because he hasn't got a Tuesday game. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just whatever personality he's got, no. he's obviously going to use, you know. Um, Max Evans in goal. Who else have we got? Well, the other, the, yeah, they, they, well, there isn't anyone said so there's Ollie Haste. And uh, yeah. I don't know, when's, when's Toby Stevens due back, Ben? He is tied anyway, it doesn't matter. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, he played in the trophy, didn't he? And that yeah. is why Ben is on loan watch. Yeah. Um, right. Although he was uh, not even in the squad yeah. for Hemel on Saturday. That is a little bit of a concern. Yeah. Is he, is he due back at some point? Is that a month yet? It was a month he went for, it's wasn't it? At the end of this week, basically, this right. upcoming week, I think, assuming they're going on bang 28 days, this coming Saturday would be his final day. Right. But yeah, and then I suppose the others in the squad who aren't available are Mark Little, uh, Jack Robinson and Joe Quigley, who are Boxing Day targets for all of them. Although there was a video on Mark Little's Instagram of him running up and down a gymnasium with a football at his feet, which was good to see. Nice. So, yeah, although whether he'll get in and place it down Moss or not. He's got his work cut out. Another good game for... Dan Moss yesterday just doesn't put a foot wrong. He's like the safest fullback you'll find. Doesn't try anything silly. Just if it needs booting out over the screw fix stand, he'll do it. My question on Alex Bradley, and maybe this is again one for the back end of the week, but where does he play? Do you bring him in at do you bring him in at right back and give Dan Moss ninety minutes off? Or do you bring him in the midfield and give Staunton or Gorman or Worthington ninety minutes off? Where do you where where do you play him? He can do th- he can do three or four, can't he? He can do lots of different things. So, who's the most who's the highest priority to rest? I think he spoke about him playing in midfield, didn't he? The manager when he spoke about Alex Bradley before. So I'd imagine. I mean, has D- D- Dale Gorman's missed a game, isn't he? Just Staunton. has he missed a game? I no. mean, the in- no? the indications are that Knowles will come in, aren't they? So, I'd imagine. We'll see Knowles in whether it, I don't know whether he comes in for Sonny or whether he comes in for Charlie Wakefield. I mean, Wakefield's had a run of games. He yeah, has, but he's got so much energy. He's got so know, much energy. You don't want to you don't want to burn him out. You don't want to burn him out. So Knowles <laughs> for Wakefield, Barnett in at left back if he's feeling better. 
possibly at the expense of Wilkinson again, just to manage minutes and push Williams in the middle. And I then do, you have Bradley yeah. maybe do. in the midfield. Not sure. Yeah, I think when you look at, you know, our midfield is now a pretty solid trio of Staunton, Gorman and Worthington. And there is no one else, really. Sonny can go in there, but I don't think he's as... Uh, he's better further up, I would say, in that position he played at the weekend. But I think you... It's almost like we need to use this game just to see if we've got another centre midfielder or see if we've got someone else who can you know, come in for Worthington and do the same job as Worthington. And I think... I, I get the feeling that might be the way he goes. Um, for Worthy, but Worthy's been really good. Worthy's really pressed on the last, you know, certainly since um, October. Totally different player. Let us know, Glovers Cast listeners. Alex Bradley will almost certainly start on Saturday. Who is the most important person to rest and give 90 minutes off to? Alex Bradley, who is he coming for? Let us know. There you go. There you go, Uh, indeed. Have we got any questions to go through, or do we want to Anything Dave, else you want questions, Judy? I haven't got questions. We have got questions, yeah. Um, so let's start with the let's start with Paddy. Paddy the OG. Other sides we play seem to be getting a lot of cards. Would you agree? Also, as a YTFC fan, I wasn't impressed that oh, one of our players appeared to go down very easily for the red card on Saturday. We discussed the latter point, haven't we? But other sides we play seem to be getting a lot of cards. Would you agree? Well, it is Christmas. Mm, see what he's done there. Yeah. So you're saying we're just being, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean that is Yuletide festivities. Is that what it is? I would. That is one of the things that has been quite noticeable is the lack of cards that we seem to be getting this year. I think, I don't think we're up as many yellows as we have had previous you know previous points in this season we're not getting these stupid little yellows for having to go at the referee or kicking the ball out or doing anything silly I mean I think the one Gorman got was a bit of a uh, a bit of an outlier but other than that they all the yellows we've had all seem to be for you know tackles (laughs) or mistimed stuff rather than stupid stuff and I think you know I don't know I can't I know Barnett got I mean most of Barnett's cards were for their coaching staff yesterday um (laughs) looking at the um fair play table as it appears on transfer mart um we are actually 20th out of 23 yeah no we're not not. are we not (laughs) no because you've got it upside down mate we're fourth Oh, right. Okay, so that's the last... Oh, right. Well, it does say we're 24. Got, so yeah, what? Have right. we had... We've had a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're fourth. We've got, we've, yeah. we've got the fourth worst. Oh, well. Okay. But there was there was me thinking, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Must be some really dirty teams in this division. But, but at the same but time... Barnet at top. <laughs> I don't think we're as... We're not... We're not noticeably as... We're not getting these yellow cards that are as noticeably pernickety as we did certainly last year. Last year felt like a joke, the amount of times, you know, Charlie Lee got, did he get, he, he got his fifth yellow card for having to go at the referee after a match. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. 
in terms of just yellow cards, we're ninth. Yeah. We've had uh, 34 this season, Aldershot 43, Chesterfield 42. There's loads of sides above us. Uh, it would be Weymouth, the nice guys from down on the beach, at the bottom of that table with just 23 um, that's probably because yeah, they. That's probably because they can't get near any of their opponents. That would be it. Yes, yeah. correct. Um, but yeah, so we're we're in a much better position than we are now. As for those against us, do you think teams are, are having to chase a little bit more because we're so quick at starting? We're getting these early goals. They're then having to to chase us and getting frustrated that it's not working. Getting frustrated that their ideas and their attacks are just getting batted back. Time after time after time. How many times can you just launch another ball into the air and have Luke Wilkinson volley it back at you and nod the ball back at you? And I imagine frustration comes into that, possibly as we saw with that red card and the subsequent booking of the entire bench yesterday. It was just frustration. He didn't have to put his head towards Dale Gorman and got himself sent off stupidly. So that might be part of it. The fact that we're starting so, so well and others have got to come at us. Yeah. I think when you're winning games as well and you are in front, you know, if you're in control and, like you said, not chasing games, you're probably a bit more composed and then the other teams aren't. And, you know, when you've got Jordan Barnett shushing you every opportunity he gets, you're bound to get wound up, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, Barnett are the dirtiest team in the league, according to the uh, the table that I've got the right way up now. So. <laughs> He's turned his screen the other way around. Yeah, yeah. No, I was stood on my head looking at this now. So. Yeah. Um, okay, so question from Yeovil Guna. Yesterday's game was one of the more physical I've seen at Hewish Park, although not at the same level as Leeds in the 70s. Which match would you name as the dirtiest match ever played at Hewish Park? Dirty Leeds. Um Yeovil Gunnar, is that you, Ian? <laughs> no. No? Um, I don't know, really. I, I can't ever I can't, think of... I can't, I can't recall. I can't ever... I don't ever recall coming out of there ever, ever out of a game, home or away, and going, geez, that was feisty. That was unnecessarily feisty. We've had games, like the Reading game in the Championship, where we ended up with, with, um, where we did, with eight men and still ended up drawing. Those were games where you kind of felt like because we were playing very much up to the little odd Yeovil thing, we had to kind of find our way a little bit of an edge. And some of the years where we were bottom end of League One, fighting for our lives under Skivo, I think again about the nine men at Sheffield Wednesday, where you kind of had to be a bit dirty just to break flows up of attack after attack after attack. You had to break things up. And so there was times that, that season and the season before where I do remember sat there thinking, we are just being a bit nasty and horrible to try and break it up. And we brought in players like Darren Purse and Paul Watton and all the rest of it. And that was their job, just to break up others attacking. And that very often included fouls. So um, maybe something around that era, but to pinpoint an exact game, none really jump out at me. Don't know about anyone else. It was a game in the, cha- in the championship, I seem to remember. It might have been Blackpool. And there were three, they had three players sent off. The opposition had three players sent off. But I seem to remember them all being in the last minute or, or in extra time. So, again, if you end up with, uh, you know, one team ended up with that fewer players, that would suggest some kind of dirtiness. But, um, no, I think maybe something when the pitch wasn't so good would have been fairly dirty then, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, the one ones that do stick out are more like away games. That, you know, the one that um, Chris Angelo posted last week, the Bristol Rovers game, there was a few 
incidents in that, wasn't there? And I, you know, remember us going there and having situations before. But yeah, which was the game that um, Jamie McAllister punched on? Was that JPT Trophy possibly or League Cup or something? Where McAllister very early on got sent off, and it was just just a left hook. There's no other way of putting it. It was just a left hook. If anyone can remember that game, let me know. But I seem to remember Jamie McAllister quite early on. 10th, 11th minute, and it just set the tone for one of those games, and that wasn't a particularly nice game. I can remember, yeah. like, you know, when I'm going to go back to that game that you all hate talking about, the uh, Carlisle game um, in the FA Cup. I can remember, like, moments, so the whole... Um, oh, yeah. That scrap at the end, when we played Birmingham in the... Was that in the League Cup? When Luke Ayling scored the worldie with his left foot, and... And Byron Webster scored the goal that should have yes. been well he thought should have been given back and then we didn't give the goal back and then at half time of extra time we decided actually we will give the goal back <laughs> yeah that you know that was um oh, who was the left back at birmingham left back i want to say robinson oh yeah, robinson was it yeah. and yeah he <laughs> i think there's a great picture of him looking absolutely fuming on the touchline um yeah, wasn't Dan? But was someone playing for them? Dan Byrne yeah. playing for him at the time, wasn't he? So it was yeah, a bit. Dan like, Byrne was playing for them. Yeah, it was yeah. a bit like ah, oh. <laughs> he was he was in that difficult situation of being like, you guys are all my pals, but <clears throat> that's out of order. <laughs> yeah. He was getting a bit shirty as well. So yeah, I can remember moments, but not particularly games. Yeah, um, Joey Chinnick is Yusuf underrated for his work rate. Do you know what I think he is? Mm-hmm. He runs about and he puts himself about. And although he's not the most, he's not the most technically proficient footballer. Although his header yesterday was great. Um, he's sort of the way he plays is very much. Um, it's like crash bang wallop. He's got he's got a touch of the. You know how Zoko when Zoko used to pick up the ball it would always be like he didn't look quite right, but it would somehow stick to his foot and he'd find his way through. He's got that sort of about him, but less that the ball sticks to his foot. <laughs> More that he's just running through people. Remembering him at Boreham Wood, crash bang wallop does sound quite <laughs> uh, familiar, doesn't it? He's uncomfortable. He's uncomfortable for strikers, uh, for defenders. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like I said earlier, I think I felt yesterday we needed the best back to goal striker in English football just to keep you know keep the ball at one end for a little bit and Yusuf doesn't really offer that but when he's you know chasing down defenders he does we might find out against Woking how much we miss him yeah. when Ruben Reed comes in and provides something a little bit different you may find yourself texting us on the on the WhatsApp chat going crikey we could really do with a bit of added Yusuf right now <laughs> so we kind of my answer to that is I don't really know yet because we've only really got him Maybe when Joe Quigley's back and we've got the full trio of options, and who knows, maybe even another one at some point down the line as a striker, maybe we'll kind of recognise how important Adi Yusuf's been. But lots of praise from the BBC yesterday. Did he get man of the match from uh, Lawson and Sheridan for his performance? So he got clearly man, someone he got man of the match from the sponsors. Oh, you see, so again, I mean, someone somewhere starting to notice what he can do, and maybe it is a little bit like. When, when we spoke pre-season, didn't we, to the Solihull guys, they were saying maybe he just needs a bit of a home. Maybe we're giving him a bit of that. I don't know. 
Mm. More goals already than Ruben Reed did last season. There we go. Uh, right, another question. Do we you ever? We, th- we weren't judging him on goals. <laughs> no, no, I know we weren't. Yeah, which is which is good. Um, but we'll judge. We can judge out of Yusuf because he's got five in five in eighteen games. So there you go. Good return. Um, do you ever think Derry Skiverton will get the manager's job again? Oh, sorry, this is green and white goals, Chris Angelo. Do you ever think Terry Skiverton will get the manager's job again? And will it be the right decision? I've noticed Darren Sol mention a lot about how vocal he is in the dressing room uh, recently. I'd imagine Terry Skiverton, I mean, I, I don't know him personally, but as a character, I imagine he's probably been vocal in the dressing room uh, every day of his, uh, his his long time at Yeovil Town. He seems that kind of character, doesn't he? Um, and, uh, and, and quite rightly so. so um, do, do I think he'll ever get the manager job again? No. Um, do I think he'd want it again? Probably not. Um, I think he probably feels that he's um, he's done, uh, you know, done his d- done his bit and quite happy with um, where he is. I mean, that's the way it seems to me anyway. May- maybe at some point in the future he will, but um, whether it will be the right decision kind of depends on the circumstances he finds himself in. Somebody then asks, Chris, are you saying Darren may be leaving? Um, and I certainly don't think at the moment anybody's going to get rid of uh, Darren Sarr with the with the former in now. But I don't know what you two think about Skivo and his uh, first team management credentials. I think it said a lot that he didn't take the job when Darren Wade got it, whether or not he was ever offered it or whether or not he passed it by or, or whatever it was. The fact that he wasn't the go-to guy post-Sturrock. Post-Sturrock, is that right? Yeah, yeah post-Sturrock, yeah. yeah. That he wasn't the guy that they gave it to. They gave it to to Darren Way instead. I think says maybe a little bit that he probably has had his stint. And what he did in those two stints oh, were yeah. were incredible. We had no right to stay in League One all those years. No right whatsoever. Um, and the fact that he stepped aside twice, twice. Is that right? He stepped aside for Gary, didn't he? Um, yeah. When was the other spell? When we came down from League One and Paul Sturrock. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. So he stepped aside twice. Historic. I think that yeah. probably says a lot. Who knows where we might end up down the future two years, three years, four years, five years from now. I hope he's still part of the furniture. He's been here 20 years. He might as well go on and make it 25, 30, 45, 50. Um, he may have some, he may <laughs> have whatever. Gonna be? <laughs> I can say, yeah, yeah. However long <laughs> he wants. Well. Um, yeah. Maybe may a caretaker role, but I don't think he's, he's going to take the manager's job again permanently. I think what, a question that, I think what, do, do, go on. On. I was going to say I think uh, what we're seeing is his his legacy is important for people who come into the club rather than for um you know for us as supporters I think it is important but Darren Sarr wouldn't be able to do what he's done without having Terry Skiverton by his side to you know keep him aware of, of Yeovil's history and um, Yeovil's, you know, like the talk about the FA Trophy has been the big one this week, hasn't it? And how it's important to Darren Searle because Terry's given and has said how important it was to him and how winning that trophy was so crucial. And it was, it kickstarted everything, didn't it? Winning the trophy got yeah. us out of the Football League the following season and really started what was a you know a meteoric rise for the football club so i think yeah i think if if 
you didn't have that person at the club, there, there wouldn't be anyone else on the football side. There's no one else on the football side left pre, you know, pre personal takeover that is Yeovil through and through. Who are? Here's a question. Do you think you'll manage anywhere as first team manager again? I don't know. say he could do, couldn't he? Yeah, he, he he's got, he's yeah. got, he's, he's got the ability to, I think. Yeah. But, but where? Could he's Yo, he's Yeovil Town, isn't he? Yeah. Terry Skiven and Yeovil Town are like <laughs> you can't have one without the other, really. <laughs> I mean, maybe okay. you know the, the whole academy thing and how that sort of ended. Um. You know, maybe that was something that he did actually want to do and he wanted to be in that academy role. Maybe that's, you know, if if, if an academy gets started up again or wherever at that stage that we want to, you know, kickstart a, a youth programme, like, a, a, you know, an accredited academy, then maybe he'll be, go back into that type of role again. I don't know, but, he, he, you know, it feels like, I don't know, I'd always have Terry's given at the football club. Yeah. Build the statue. Um, Rit Wilcock-Smith, who qualified his question from us in the week about that he was a Bournemouth fan and a Oval fan. His granddad, I think he said, was a Bournemouth fan, so that qualifies that one. But he's asked, with us unbeaten in 10 games, I think you find that's 11, actually, Rich, like all, um, how close are we to beating a club record? Uh, not close to any books or records, so I wonder if you boys could help out. Well, Ben found uh, a good shout of 20 from from recent history, but we did have to go back to the true oracle of statistics, uh, Mr. Nigel Dyson, who came up with the uh, 1963-64 season when the Oval Town went 25 games unbeaten. So from losing at Bath City on... August the 25th, 1963, they won the 22 and drew three of their next, um, what was this, Southern League Premier Games right up until Boxing Day of that year when they lost at Romford, of all places. So there you go. 20, 25 is the, um, is the longest unbeaten run that we can find. When I say we, I mean Nigel, can find. Um, but if anyone knows any longer ones, let's know. <laughs> Take out with Nigel. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, so to answer your question, no, we're just a bit rubbish, actually, at the minute. Just a bit rubbish, this 10. Pathetic. I know, yeah. Pathetic. 11, Ben. 11. Sorry, 11. 11. 11. Pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, when Jordan Barnett is fit again, should he come straight back into the 11? We'll keep it how it is. Um, how many points would you be happy with over the Christmas period? That's from Adam Barrington. Ooh, need to look at um, the game, I- don't we? Yeah, I think I think the the John Barnett question is really interesting actually because how did Morgan Williams play yesterday at left back? How was he in that role? Because I think he's there for a very a very specific reason and a spe- specific type of opposition where we're going to be get, dealing with crosses and longer balls and he's more of a of a defensive unit in that way in the same way that Jack Robinson probably was and I'm thinking back to the nil nil away at Solihull where he was magnificent in that exact same role. Morgan Williams is doing that at the moment. How was he yesterday? Uh, I He had a good game. He struggled a little bit with um, Ryan Hall, Barnett's sort of tricky winger. Um, 
I mean, he, he stood him up quite well. He's quite difficult to get round. There was one moment where he was skinned by him and he brought him down and uh, was given a booking. Um, but yeah, it, it's hard because he, he's, he's, you know, he's so obviously not a fullback. And what having Jordan Barnett in the team gives us as a fullback who will, you know, get up and put some crosses in. I think that probably makes us a little bit stronger. Um, almost, almost before Barnett was injured, we'd probably focus a little bit more on the left-hand side and Dan Moss would be that fullback who didn't go so far forward, whereas now it's sort of the roles have reversed. I mean, I, I'd like Barnett back in just because I think he gives us an extra dimension um, going forward. But I mean, Morgan Williams doesn't put a foot wrong and... I think against Stevenage, he was he was really important against Stevenage, um, and I think you notice when teams are crossing the ball in towards the back post, you know how our goal with yesterday with Yusuf, I mean when you've got Morgan Williams on the back post rather than a shrimpy fullback, you don't score a goal like that because he's, you know he can hold his own. <laughs> do do check out the picture from uh, Mike Cunns that. Um... Uh, that Coatsy has tweeted on the Glover's Cast account because it's, uh, there's a faster difference between Adam Yusuf leaping like a uh, salmon ready for a nap to uh, <laughs> beat the uh, to beat the guy at the far post and 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 get the nod in. So I, I totally agree with you there. So it depends. I think I think it does depend a little bit on on what kind of opposition we're up against. And I guess that brings us into the second part of that question: Torquay twice and the uh, Seagull Shaggers down on the beach <laughs> once. <laughs> over the Christmas period. How many of the nine points do we want? And why is it all nine? Torquay seagull shaggers as well. It's a triple header of <laughs> seagull bothering. A lot of seagull botherers on the way. I think I on, the, on, the run we've, yeah, on the run we've been on, I think you can't look beyond us getting nine points, surely. I mean, Torquay had a good, you know, they beat Stockport yesterday, didn't they? They did, yeah. yeah. Um, albeit, no one a, does that. albeit a penalty. But the the... You know, the run we're on, we shouldn't be... Oh, yeah, I feel like we should be putting them away quite happily. Torquay haven't done anything amazing this season, have they? Just looking at the form table, we're going back 10 games. Torquay lie 12th, uh, played 10, won 4, drawn 1, lost 5, conceded 16 goals. Uh, Weymouth lie 21st, played 10, won 2, drawn 1, lost 7, conceded 20 goals and scored just 8. Crikey. And uh, Yeovil lie third in behind Chesterfield. Well, I say third, joint second, joint top, really. <laughs> Us, Chesterfield and Boreham would have all got 21 points, but goal difference, if that's the thing in a form table, has us third of that trio ahead of a small team from North Wales in fourth. Cardiff. Nope, the other one. They're South Wales. Oh, yeah. Come on, Dave. I meant Chester. Chester, <laughs> that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get on with a C. So, uh, yeah, I want nine. Ian wants nine. Dave, how many do you want? I'll take seven, but I want nine. Oh. <laughs> who, who, who's the draw against? Talkie away. Yeah. You, have you got, Johnson, you've, got, you've got PTSD about going away to Torquay. That's what it is. <laughs> Two years yeah. in a row away at Torquay, we've had... Is it two I've, years in uh, a row we've had horror shows? The only time I've ever seen us play at Torquay, they beat us in the FA Cup, I think. Is that the one that was on telly? Yeah, yeah. 
I, I remember catching the train down there. It's a very long way from where I live. So, and it's always uh, Christmas time as well, isn't it? When we play them, but the trains yeah. get a bit crap past Exeter as well. They do. <laughs> I get, yeah, they do. They do. Um, okay, nice festive one, Ben. You're gonna well, actually know <laughs> Ben. Ben's face for this one is uh, <laughs> so. Um, Matt Crivelli, YTFC Christmas Eleven. I'll start with Gold on Mateo, Kieran Murta, Robbie Carroll, and Francois Zoko Ho Ho. And I'll I'll just say that Ben went on our WhatsApp chat, did threaten Ian and I with violence for um <clears throat> for selecting Gifton Noel Williams. <laughs> but then QSU <laughs> then replied with everyone the better thought of, I think. So um Ben, do you want to read them out, or, or, so, so or do you I, not want to play this game anymore? I also had Archangel Gabriel, as in Archangel Gabriel Rogers. I didn't have um, Angelo, Angelo Balanta. Uh, Simon Church, you haven't really adapted the name there, unfortunately, so that's disqualified. <laughs> uh, Thomas Christmas Eves, that's very high. That's good. That's top yeah. level, that is. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Frank's Incense, that that's, is brilliant. Yeah, brilliant that's very good. I think that's seven that out is, of seven, that one. That's verging, isn't it? I'm, I'm, well, I mean, six. Um, <laughs> Neil Musseltoe. Oh, that is elite. Um, and then Jordan Quality Street. I also like the look of that. Now, not to be undone, because I was a little bit angry that he'd come up with some that, you know, we were waiting on the podcast for, too. Um, by the way, uh, Tim Tim Ray replies with Brussels Slade as the manager, and that is absolute <laughs> chef's kiss. <laughs> that is perfect. That is seven out of seven. Um, but I have, I have some more. I have some more. Um, Ryan, no room at the Innis. <laughs> My God. Um, keeping it very simple for the goalkeeper. Christmas meal. Christmas wheel. <laughs> um, I've got to disqualify myself for the next one because Liam Shepherds needs more. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've not, I've not changed the name there, so unfortunately, that's the disqualification. Uh, I did also scribble down earlier, Neil kissing under the muscle toe, but, you know, fine. <laughs> uh, Joe Deck the Rawls also gets in there. And for um, inclusivity, I have also included uh, Beth Lehem Howard, the former Yeovil ladies goalkeeper. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, but yes. Well done, like, that, what about jing- Jingle all the Darren way? Can we not? <laughs> no? Nope. Okay. But uh, yes, I was particularly proud of Ryan. No room at the Innis. Yeah, now that is good. That is good. Although it, Brussels Slade, it's no is... Brussels Slade. That is <laughs> that is outrageous, by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah, perfect. Did you have any? If, if you can think, if you can think of any more, do let us know. Um, I was. You can have general wintry ones. Gabriel O. Snow was close to getting in there, and Terry Shiverton. What about as Dominic well. Blizzard? Again, though, would be disqualified under the you haven't changed the name rule. Okay. So, unfortunately, that has to join Liam Shepard and Simon Church in the bin. <laughs> in the bin. Poor Don Blizzard. Okay. Um, and another, I did ask for silly or serious questions or a mix of both. So, um, London Green Dave has asked, which player would win a 10-pin bowling competition if they had to use, had to bowl using their weaker hand and whilst drunk? Why do I immediately think Jordan Barnett? Yeah, well, uh, Harry Eaton has replied, I'm rooting for Jordan Barnett to win this one. <laughs> Just immediately think that it was Jordan no. Barnett's winning that. 
Yeah. Like, I'm not even questioning anyone else. I feel like Grant Smith would be up there. Yeah. I feel like Josh Staunton would be out there. I was going to say, I was going to go Josh Staunton. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've just got this feeling that he's the kind of person who's got his own bowling ball that he keeps in a bag. And, uh, and you know, and, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he's got some special oil that he puts on it and a glove. <laughs> you know, like Nessa from Gavin and Stacey with the Welsh ball. <laughs> I can see Josh Staunton being a bit like that. Have you seen that video of that guy on um, YouTube? Uh, it's like a viral clip of the American dude bowling and goes who's the man i am or something like that is that is that not is that not the the, the weber guy is that know. not the guy that the, is that that's the guy that the trophy is named after that britain and europe europe and the u.s play for no the weber cup that right. is him there you go. okay there you go. i feel there like we've go. learned something today but yes i'm i'm voting for for barnet or the goalkeepers i think good with their hands yeah <laughs> but you don't want them you know damaging the fingers you know putting in the ball do you well, no, I, I would hope they would have their, their gloves on. Goalie gloves. Purposes. Their goalie yeah. gloves, yeah. <laughs> Correct. Some pretty big holes in those balls, aren't they? But, um, yeah. Okay, well, I, I can't see any other questions. All I can see is Chris Fox has put announce a live show. And then Ben has tweeted a, a gif of Justin Trudeau saying, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Justin Trudeau, the Canadian prime minister, I think. Um, what was, was that reference to, Ben? Announce a live show. Well, because we want a live show. I want a live show. Oh, right. Okay. Right. There are a couple yeah. more, so, Dave. Are there? I can't see any more. What other ones have we got? Harry whilst Eaton. They're faffing about, whilst they're faffing about, if you, if you, Glover's Cast listeners, would want a live show of us three making an ass out of ourselves live <laughs> on a stage, hire out a big, you know, Wembley Arena or something, let us know. Let us know if we can flog the tickets. We'll do it. We don't care. Can I do like uh, you know Freddie Mercury Live Aid style? Hey, oh, can I do? Can I do that? <laughs> Absolutely, you can. On the that, stage. That's yeah. how I expect you to introduce the live quiz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a question from Harry Eaton. What do we need I can't to see these? Why can't I? What do we need to do to score more goals? Obviously, defensively, we're exceedingly solid. But as displayed at the Dover match, granted appalling conditions, if we go behind, we find it hard to create chances to score. We clearly have the creativity there, but aren't scoring multiple goals consistently. So what needs to change? The ball needs to go into the back of the net. That's uh, long and short of it. Yep. I think, I think we've missed... I feel like we're missing Knowles the last couple of games a bit more centrally in front of goal he's, he's he's sort of hit form didn't he and was finding those spaces where he just twats it in um so i think you know a fit now we're missing do you think we're missing a fox in the box murphy madden stansfield three names that kind of oh right place right time how have you found half a yard of bo- half a yard of space inside the six yard box but there you are you've managed it and you've tapped it in i don't time think striker. i don't think we are because we're not creating those it's not like we're putting you know, balls into those positions for a striker to get on the end of. I mean, we said it, you know, months ago, didn't we? We want Gavin Williams. We want that yeah. midfielder. Um, Is there signs that Matt Worthington's becoming that? That's been some of the some of the chat from the manager. And after the game of the weekend, he said that he was trying to get forward and create more and be a bit more involved forward, knowing that that um, Phil and Grant are behind him, mopping up and doing all the the dirty work. I didn't see it. I didn't see it yesterday. Um, he, you know, he chases hard. He runs hard. 
Uh, but we didn't, you know, we didn't really have a massive amount of the ball yesterday um, to do that. So, yeah, still more. I think Matty's improved a lot, but I still think there's more to come from him further out that pitch, really. Um, have we answered that or not? <laughs> well, yeah. we want Gavin Williams is the, the answer to that. Um, Gavin Williams and someone that can get lots of uh, lots of goals. Um, and although Adi Yusuf, as we've said, is getting lots of goals. Yeah, and there is another question from Robin Bachelor: um, If the Jenkins Consortium end up buying us, do you think that Mark Bircham would be installed as manager with the Simul connections? For those who don't know, Mark Bircham is listed as a director in the Simul Sports Group. Um, Darren is the only good part of Scott's legacy and it would be a shame for him to be cast off unnecessarily. I mean, I'm happy yeah. to take this if you want me to take this. I, all, all I would say is I wholeheartedly agree yeah. that the um, that Darren Sahl is working wonders right now and I wouldn't in a second think about replacing him. Not yeah. for a second. I, I joked when I was on the gaffer's presser, there's one for your bingo <laughs> card, um, a couple of weeks ago that he should go and ask for his new contract. His contract's up at the end of the year. I, w- I want him working with this group for the next two or three years. Because if this season does end well, and who knows, it might do. And if it doesn't end well, I still think I'd want him, Darren Zahl, to take us into the next group. If Mark Bircham ends up being involved, so be it. But I'd kind of hope it was upstairs, scouting, goes to see games. He has a lot of good connections in and around London. Maybe he spends his time at QPR kids and um, whoever else it may be, at Millwall kids and whatever else other teams maybe he goes into that kind of role if he's going to be involved in a day-to-day position at the club but in terms of picking a team and getting a side ready to go out on a Saturday afternoon I'm yeah you've got to be behind Darren Sarr right now got to be yeah you can't you can't get rid of him now can you it would be insanity and I don't think you find many people who are directors of companies will find their way into the dugout I think that you know that that position as a director Suggests to me that the the chances are there'll be an upstairs position like Ben has alluded to, rather than management. And I don't, yeah, we can't. You know, a few weeks ago, I was all for change, but where we are now is you know unbelievable. And yeah, I think at the very least, Darren deserves to see through his contract. You know, at least if it's it's up to him then at the end of the season what he wants to do. But I think. Yeah, where we are is in a very good place. And if he can get some more support going forward, if anything, excuse me, if anything does happen, then I'm all for that. I'm chucking in a pre-Christmas signing up, sign him up for Darren Sahl. Um Yeah, Mark Bircham has a lot of attributes that may come in handy. You know, he has done management. He did a, a really good job in strange circumstances at Waterford and then weirdly got sacked the week before their big crunch relegation fight that was all very strange he not playing the chairman's uh son i've no what idea he said didn't they that's, that's all, what he said yeah that's all rumor and conjecture i have no idea but very strange well, he said it so i imagine he said it, there's but, probably yeah. something more than rumor and conjecture <laughs> but he um he has some attributes he knows jovel he knows skivo he knows he's been at the club for a while he has connections at clubs that we have good relationships with so if he's the guy that turns around to Millwall and goes, yeah, no, they can definitely keep Dan Moss till the end of the season. Yeah, fine by me. <laughs> fine by me. So if he's involved in some way, shape or form, 
great, but for me, Darren Sahl, give him a new contract, definitely. I think he's probably a tier above Neil Marmon as some sort of overseer of football operations. <laughs> I'm I'm a tier. Anyone who's ever opened a game of football manager is a tier above Neil friggin' Marmon. Can you imagine what Neil Marmon's thinking of life now? What do you think he does when it says Boris Johnson will address the nation? Goes out and screams at the sky. <laughs> oh, man. Should we call it? Can call I just it. add one, one very last thing on a Christmas uh, theme? I did talk about the Overtown Community Sports Trust last week, and one thing I did want to mention that I didn't mention was that they have, and I'm going to give Big Ben Barrett a very big shout-out here, the Yo-Ho-Hoval Big Community Giveaway, which is like... A- Way free things like training kits and uh, signed shirts and vouchers to soccer schools and things like this to people that have signed up to their advent calendar, which Ben very cleverly named the Yoho Hoville uh, Big Community Giveaway. Although we did think he could come up with a better name than that. I think you know done pretty well there, mate. But um, but yes, the Ryan, plenty of room at the Innis <laughs> giveaway, as it shall now be henceforth known. We'll have a word with Sarah, see if she's willing to uh, rename it halfway through, but she might stick with Yoho Hoville, I think. But but yes, that was that was just another um, little thing that I just wanted to shout out. Um, well done to you. So yes, that's it. Happy to call it now. Cheers, lads. Thank Cheers. you very much. Talk to you later this week. Who knows? There could be huge news. <laughs> Cheers, everyone. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trump, goal!